Hello and welcome into the Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of Big Ten Network. And today's guests are former Ohio State star Jared Solinger and Big Ten Network Manager of Research Harold Shelton. Let's get into it. Take a look, listen, and enjoy. Look at here, look at here. With the catch, the finish! Oh, my goodness! What a catch! Oh, Energy. my goodness. All right, we will get to Jared Solinger in just a moment. First, a word from our sponsor, Northwestern University's School of Professional Studies. You can build a solid foundation in the strategic, creative, and analytic skills that are essential for success in the business of sports in the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu sports. Great program. I highly encourage you to check out if you're interested in working in sports, working at a place like Big Ten Network, go to that website I just mentioned. Always appreciate their support. Um, shout out to NUSPS, as always. All right, let's get to Jared Solinger. Interview starts right now. All right, I am very pleased to be joined by former Ohio State basketball star, NBA vet Jared Solinger. Jared, how's it going, man? Oh, I can't complain, man. Living the dream, uh, life. Two kids, actually twins, so I, I can't complain at all. Yeah, man, you're all growing up now. Still, uh, you know, you got the jersey behind you. You got the beanie going on, so yeah. clearly staying close to those Buckeye roots. Um, last time, you know, you hoop professionally. It looks like you were you were over in China for a couple years. We saw you this summer on ESPN and the, the Carmen's crew coaching the TVT squad. Uh, and now, you know, it looks like you're working on your next opportunity, right? So, so tell us about that a little bit. I'm just patiently waiting, man. I'm just patiently waiting for somebody to give me a shot. Um, I feel better than ever. Um, I'm playing better than ever. And I actually look apart. So I'm, I'm just excited for an opportunity to, from anybody um, to be able to get back there, out there on the floor. Yeah, I know you're trying to give another shot in the league. Uh, you're a dad now as well, like you mentioned. So... What's your daily routine kind of like now, you know, trying to balance fatherhood, having a family, and then trying to trying to work your way back to, uh, to the court? Well, just wake up every morning at 7 o'clock with the twins, changing diapers, giving them breakfast, uh, finding time to uh, relieve my wife from so she can go ahead and get showered and get ready for her day as I, I get showered and ready for my day. And uh, from there, it's just basketball. I'm probably, probably busy from – um, 10 o'clock to maybe like two to three o'clock in the afternoon. So I, it's a lot of basketball. And then I just come back home and I'm a dad all over again. <laughs> and, you know, back in the day, I used to have time to relax and kind of get your thoughts together. Um, being a dad now um, and trying to be in the best shape of my life, it's, it's a big, it's the biggest challenge I've ever, I ever been a part of, but it's a challenge I'm willing to conquer. Yeah, so what kind of work are you putting in uh, on the court? Is it a lot of individual stuff? Are you, you doing any uh, doing any fives, any threes? It's a little bit of both. Um, we I do an individual work with my guy, um, L.D. Williams, who played at Wake Forest. Um, he's a, he's an individual coach now. Um, so I've been with him um, the last two months. And then um, we got a couple guys here that, you know, are still searching for jobs that – played in the Big Ten, Javon Best that played at Michigan State, Nick Ward that played at Michigan State, um, Demetrius Treadwell that played at Akron. So we got a lot of guys that um, usually are having jobs, but since it's COVID year, that you know, things are kind of um, iffy, I should say. And uh, we're just – we're playing five on five every chance we can get. So is it more difficult or uh, less stressful than, than raising twins? It's probably more difficult because <laughs> – <laughs> just finding 10 is the hardest part. And, and last family question. Are you, uh, are you the type of dad that's going to dress the twins up in like the matching outfits? So they can be in the Christmas card matching and stuff like that. Yeah. At times, at times, you know, we try to avoid that. Me and my wife try to avoid that, but at times you have to um, just because it's too, it's too cute not to. So uh, <laughs> we, we try to avoid it best way we can, but man, some, some things you just can't avoid. All right, so we're going to work backwards when we talk uh, ball a little bit in your career because I'm fascinated with, like, overseas hoops and especially you playing in China because I was looking at some of your stats and, you know, you hear the stories about, like, Stephon Marbury and Jimmer Fredette dropping 70. It looks like you were 
putting about 30 and 20 a game over there. So, like, when that type of stat sheet gets filled up night after night, are you just like a superhero over there to the to the locals, or how does it go? Uh, it's, it's different over there in China. Um, in China, when you lose a game, it's your fault. When you win a game, um, the domestic players get all the all the love. And so um, you're just kind of there. You're kind of there. And, and I think that was the beautiful part is just finding ways to win, you know, knowing that you're the focal point every night. They're going to double team you. They're going to do something every night, but you have to find a way to win. And that was the, I would say, the, the turning point for me when it came to basketball because, you know, um, you know, I was in the NBA. I kind of lost a little bit of the love just because the business side of it. And then when I went to China, it wasn't really a lot of business. It's more about you, how you have to win this game. You have to do this. You have to do that. And uh, I found the love again. And so it's just so different over there where it's, it's a team sport, but a lot of it relies on you. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up kind of the love of the game because I read a quote, you know, when I was reading up on you. It was in the Boston Globe, and you said – that you've told people that college is kind of the last time you play basketball in like its purest form. So if you could expand on that a little bit, like what do you mean by that statement? And how did your experience at Ohio State reflect that uh, that form of hoop? I mean, that's just the last time you actually playing for, you know, the bigger picture, for a conference championship, for a tournament championship, for NCAA championship. Like those things um, that you do, that you buy into, um, everybody's buying into it. So, you, you know, at the next level, everybody's not going to buy into uh, their role and what the coach wants you to do because everybody's trying to get paid. And understandably, that's, that's understand. Like you can understand that, but at the end of the day, like college basketball is the last pure form of basketball because that's the only time you can get everybody to connect and have one common goal. And that's the win. There's nothing else. Yeah, and I'm very, like, pro player and, and you know, want guys to get the, the bag they deserve and all that. But I, I do wonder, you know, when you see things like the G League Select pop up and players forego that experience, um, you know, when they could be playing that, that form of basketball you experience. I mean, look at you now. You got your Ohio State gear on. You're in the Columbus area. Ohio State has a, a very, like, great orbit, I think, of their former players kind of still being a community. You see it in the TBT. So where do you fall on that whole – I don't know if it's a debate, but kind of situation with, with players that are uh, trying to go to the G League and, and just forego college altogether. Um, I mean, some of them are, are prepared for it. Not everybody's not prepared for it. You know, there's 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 an exception to every rule. Um, there's some there's some players that should not touch college um, just because they're they're exceptional talents. You see it in James Wiseman. Um, you know, he didn't really play college basketball, but he's an exceptional talent. He shouldn't have to. Um, so, you know, I, I would like to see that rule, um, over change, but at the same time, it has to be, it, it's, it's an iffy rule just because there's a lot of people that think they're better than what they are. And, and NBA stands for no boys allowed. It, it's a man's game. Honestly, it's a man's game. Everybody's not equipped, uh, for that battle. For sure. For sure. And, you know, speaking of no boys allowed, I mean, that era of, Ohio State hoops from pretty much Thad Mata's whole run, right? From Conley and Odin to Evan Turner to to your guys' squads. What was it, do you think, about him as a person and a program builder that that allowed such an elite level of basketball for so long there? He just went after the same type of guys, same type of guys. Um, you know, family-oriented, um, all about goals and competitors, you know. And, and that's what, if you look down the long list of guys that – you know, all the way back to 05, um, all he wanted was competitors. And that's what they did was compete. And that's, that's what made um, the Mata air um, so strong and so, so much impact just because he just recruited guys that compete. And that's all that we cared about was winning and competing. All right. So your two seasons there, you know, there's, there's plenty of memories to choose from. A lot of hardware, a lot of accomplishments. Yeah. The Big Ten regular season championships, Big Ten tournament champs, Final Four, when you look back, like what's a favorite memory or two? It doesn't even have to be from a game, but what do you you kind of tell people about when you're telling old war stories and, and you, uh, you you latch on to when you reflect on your your college days? Uh, the intense that Coach Mata had, the intensity that Coach Mata had. Um, he was never ashamed of calling anybody out. That's one thing. He coached everybody up um, to their fullest level 
and he understood mindsets and attitudes. You know, everybody can't be coached at, at a, a certain level of intensity of yelling. And he understood that. He picked he picked players' brains and he just he was just so intense, man. And so long story short, a player, I'm not gonna throw him out there. Uh, he messed up in class. He was goofing off in class. And um, I just remember him yelling at all the seniors and telling them that it was their fault. And it was their fault. He was just, he was red in the face and just yelling at them. And he made the seniors run instead of making the person that, you know, was goofing off in class run. And that's when I realized, like, that's the type of culture he wanted was his upperclassmen to lead. So if, if, if it if somebody made a mistake, uh, an underclassman makes a mistake, the um, junior or senior always always took the blame. They always took the hit, and th- and that's that's the type of culture that you want because as a freshman, you know you look at that and you realize like I don't want to be like that my junior or senior year, um, and it's just creating leaders on and off the court, and that's. That's just what Coach Mata did. Yeah, and the mentality. You don't want to let the upperclassmen down either. You don't want to be the one missing class, making them making them run. Oh, yeah, you never heard the end of it. Right. Uh, all right, so we like to do this with, with players, especially players from great programs where there's a lot of guys to choose from. Um, I'm curious if you could list out, if you had to, to take five from the Thad Mata era, could be your squad, could be the Odin Conley squad, could be you know any time he was there, and you had to run up with five against anybody, who are you taking at each position and why? Each position. Uh, Mike Conley at the one. Mike Conley at the one. Uh, at the two, I probably push Daquan Cook or nah. I don't know. I don't know. This is tough. Let me go. Mike. Mike at the one. Evan Turner at the two. At the three, um, it was probably Lighty. Lighty at the three. At the four, he's my personal favorite, probably be Deshaun. And then at the five, hands down, Greg. You, I've never seen a human being like him uh, play basketball and be able to be that skilled, that big, that strong. Hands down, Greg at the five. All right, so you did well. I put you on the spot. Does that mean you would – would you insert yourself in that lineup or are you just you – No, coach, no, because you got to go with the right matchups. I wouldn't play me and Greg together, so you got to put Deshaun at the four. Okay, we'll call you the coach then, just like uh, Carmen's crew. <laughs> uh, but, no, I appreciate you doing that on the spot. I, I, I definitely uh, put it on you there a little bit. Um, all right, so that was a great era of Ohio State basketball. And not going to lie, when, you know, when Thad uh, – when it turned over from Thad, I thought maybe Ohio State would, would take a big step back. And they really haven't under – Chris Holtman at all. Um, I've been really impressed with his ability to find good players, you know, plug and play guys like DJ Carton or, or Wesson, you know, leave, graduate, whatever. They're back next year with guys and pieces that just fit. So it's, it's really impressive to me what he's done there. Just being able to be ranked year after year. How do you kind of consume the teams now that you're uh, obviously been gone? Are you, are you watching every game? Are you, are you living and dying with every game? Or is it more of a, a removed, um, observation process for no, we're, we're still watching every day we watch every day and um i think Co- coach Holman's done a great 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 job at what he's done um at ohio state especially coming out coming after um the best coach that ever coached in our program um you know he has the most wins and all those big 10 championships i mean that's that's pretty much a lot of pressure and for him to come in and non-stop every year is a winning year Every year we we're in the thick of the of the Big Ten and and you know the last couple of years since Coach Holman's taken over Big Ten has been the best conference in college basketball every year and so for him to always have like a top five finish and you know and now we're starting to see his recruits and his team and, and the development of his team and you see it this year those are all his guys it looks great it looks great and you know with Coach Holman he has a great system to the point where the plug and play will always work because we know as a team, our roles. And I think that's the beautiful part is like, everybody has a great role um, on our team and everybody follows that, that instructions. So coach Oman does a great, does a great job at, at, 
like everything, you know, from the defensive standpoint, offensive standpoint. And, you know, he's just going to get better from, from, from here on. And some, some programs are just blessed, man. Like the Packers went from Favre to Rogers. You can just go from Mata to Holtman. It's some, some programs got it like that. Um, also, I do want to say, I think EJ Liddell, you know, the current big man, current four, he's got a little bit of your game in him. You know, he can step out, hit the shot a little bit, can bully his way inside. I don't know if you've heard or seen that, mm-hmm. uh, if you agree. I, I mean, he can play. He can play. There's there's no doubt about it. EJ can play. Um, you know, he's still learning the game. And the thing I love about EJ is that he doesn't force anything. As much as, as, much as the offense is around him, you know, he's averaging around 15, 16 points a game, but he's only taking like 11 shots a game. And, and there's sometimes he, he takes less than 10 shots a game. He still ends up with 17. I mean, the efficiency, the impact that he has on both sides of the ball. Um, I think that's huge um, for us to go forward. I, mean, I think he's a mismatch at that four or five spot. All right. So I was doing my homework for this interview, talked to uh, Joey Lane a little bit, former walk-on at Ohio state. He said that, uh, you know, when you guys run run fives or whatever in the summer, that you like picking him because you know you, you know he won't shoot the ball and won't take shots away, and uh, you know that just kind of goes into the Ohio State like walk on hot spot culture. Like you guys got hit, you got Joey uh, Smoke, you got Titus. Like what is going on there with the walk ons, man? And why do they got so much confidence? I, I you know honestly, it's just they're not really walk ons, man. To be honest with you, you know if Joey really wanted to play division one basketball, he could play it somewhere else. You know, honestly, he can play. And the reason why I play, I pick Joey all the dag on time is because Joey plays the right way. If he doesn't have a shot, he moves it. If on the defense end, he's trying to rotate. Um, he's always available in the corner when I need him, when somebody double me, double me in the post, I know he's in the corner. He's ready to shoot every time. So there's reasons why I picked Joey. It's not because he's the walk-on. It's because he plays the right way. So let's get that straight. But guys like that, Mark Titus, Joey, I mean, honestly, they really could play elsewhere. They just chose Ohio State for whatever reason. And, you know, at the end of the day, it worked out. All right. I'm sure he'll appreciate you gassing him up. I'm going to make him listen to this, and uh, <laughs> he'll, he'll have a big head now. Uh all right, before we wrap up, Jared, I do want to uh, talk pros a little bit, both you know, current NBA. I want to get your picks for uh, this season. But before that, I do want to talk about your Celtics days. You were a draft pick of Boston, which meant you were on a team with uh, you know a lot of legends and, and Kevin Garnett in particular. So I'm curious, which level of, uh, of ball has the best trash talkers? Is NBA? NBA, or... without, without question. Um, yeah. I fouled, I fouled Kevin Garnett one time, and he told me, he said, I got more – I got more turnovers than you got NBA minutes. And I was just, I was stuck. <laughs> there was nothing I could say. There was nothing I could say. And uh, so when you talk about trash talk, it's, it's, it's a whole nother level um, at the NBA level, honestly. So was, did you hear more wild things from KG from your own team or, or from opponents on the court? It was, it was a little bit of everybody, everybody. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things you can't say to the guys out there because they're all established. You know, there's in college, there's a couple guys you can pick on um, verbally um, out there with with your words because you're you're more established than them. But when you look across the NBA, um, everybody's established, and uh, you, you you can't really uh, let the words fly like you want them to. Especially now, because everyone can hear it with the, the no crowds and the hot mics and all that. Right. Um, and you were with another uh, Buckeye in Boston, Evan Turner. You know, I've read Mark Titus's book about how Evan's kind of an agitator a little bit. Maybe that just applies to him. But did he talk that mess, like, on or off the court at all? Or, or uh, is the, the Titus uh, example kind of exaggerated? 50-50. It's 50-50. When, when Evan wants to agitate you, he can agitate you. But when, he's not always about agitating you. So they're like 50-50. It's like 50-50. But E.T.'s, ET's one of the best teammates you can have, honestly. Um, he's never going to put you down. He's always going to pick you up. Um, he's always going to put confidence in, in you when, when you need it. You know, I had a couple of times where I wasn't making shots and you, every time Evan passed it to me, he's telling me, shoot, shoot. And, you know, guys like that, um, they help you out 
tremendously um, just because sometimes you can't get out your own way. And sometimes you just need another voice to tell you to shoot the ball. And Evan Turner was one of the best teammates you can have, you know, to have him uh, later on in my years compared to possibly having him at Ohio State. It's just kind of mind boggling to think about it because, you know, that was the whole question. If Evan Turner was going to stay, I was coming in my freshman year, been his senior year. And then, you know, a couple years later, boom, we're teammates at the highest level. So um, it was it was definitely a blessing. For sure. So, you know, who we got a lot of drama going in the NBA. It's it's always kind of been like that, but social media, even more so. Uh, you know, you like the Lakers to repeat. Do you think the whole thing with the Nets and Harden and Kyrie and KD is going to work out? You know, Giannis's uh, investment in the Bucks going to pay off. What are your just overall thoughts on the NBA and how it's how it's going these days? I just think you got you got to let things uh, play itself out. You know, you just never know what what's going to happen in a seven game series. Um, if you look at it, you know, the Lakers are playing great basketball. Clippers are playing great basketball. It's different. You know, people are outside the bubble traveling now. Um, you know, I can only imagine the quarantine rules that they have right now where they say they can't leave the house. So a lot of things are just their routines are messed up. So um, you just got to let it play itself out. You really don't know who's going to win. You got a lot of great teams out there. You got, you know, the, the Brooklyn Nets. They just got a mesh. There was no training camp for them. So they're playing as they're playing uh, real games. They're practicing almost and working on uh, who they need to be. You got uh, the Clippers. They're they're still going through their stuff just because it wasn't a true training camp this year. Um, the Lakers, they're still they're riding high. But, you know, they still got to implement Montrez Harrell, Mark Gasol and, and Dennis Schroeder. And, and they've done a great job so far. But there's so much more improvement that you you're going to see from these teams as, as, as this, as the season goes on. I assume you had to guard, you know, bigs and then stretch, stretch guys alike in, in the league. Who's somebody that, you know, when they had it, you were, you were like, Oh, you know, this is going to be uh this is going to be tricky. This is going to be difficult. Who, who kind of made you sweat out there? <laughs> Andre Blatch, honestly, Andre Blatch was like a seven foot two guard. He had everything. He could shoot, he can post, he can, he can handle, um, he was just, he was like a seven foot two guard, honestly. And that was, that was the guy that gave me the most trouble um, night in, night out. He was on the Nets, right? Yeah, he, he played for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. They had some, they had some teams back then. They gave, gave the Bulls uh, some trouble, I remember. All right, last question, Jared. You've been really generous with your time. Um, switching it up on you, switching sports. Who you like on Sunday in the Super Bowl? I don't know if you can go with a Michigan guy. And Tom Brady, but uh, what what do you what are you thinking for Sunday? I have a saying that sometimes loyalty can be stupidity, and uh, I'm not, I'm no dummy. But this is actually one of the hardest Super Bowls you have to pick. You have um, you got the goat versus baby goat, and <laughs> it's just I don't know. That's tough. That's honestly tough. I, I, if I had to pick, I would go with Tom Brady just because. Um, it's Tom Brady. It's kind of hard to pick against him, but at the same time, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. So I don't know. I don't know. It's up in the air. 50 50. All right. Should be fun. Um, you know, we'll be watching, obviously, and then we'll be watching uh watching this comeback of yours and then, you know, maybe down the road someday we'll be uh we'll be coworkers. I know you might dip your toe into the, the media game someday. So I would love that. I would love to see that, that as well. <laughs> I'll keep that in my back pocket. <laughs> I mean, if from the you know from this interview and others I've seen you do, you, you'd have no problem sliding in and taking someone's job. So appreciate you jumping on, man. Uh, really enjoyed it. It was fun reflecting, and uh, best of luck to you here going forward. Appreciate it. All right, thanks once again to Jared for joining the show. Appreciate him jumping on. Best of luck to him and his basketball pursuits. Um, Another great Ohio State player that we had on the show. I know we had David Lighty on a few months ago. And uh, it really is impressive. I, I know I brought it up briefly to Jared, but, like, how tight that Ohio State group seems to stick together. They're always around Columbus. A lot of them still live around there. Uh, they're always hooping, you know, at pickup games or in the TBT and chirping on social media in a friendly way. Like, it's pretty crazy how, how tight-knit that, that alumni base is. So, uh always enjoy having any of those guys on to, to talk hoops 
All right, we'll toss it over now to Harold Shelton, DTN's manager of research. Harold, uh, if you've not listened to the show on a regular basis, we'll jump on in season to break down Big Ten football, Big Ten basketball in this case, and he does it in a way that uh, I am not talented enough to do. He can weave in stats, information, has a great analytical mind, and um, glad we're, we have been able to utilize him and get his stats off the paper and onto the airwaves, and uh, we'll do it once again. We'll talk plenty of Ohio State basketball since they've been playing so well, even though uh, we do not know the result of the Ohio State-Iowa game on Thursday night yet. Uh, talk about the strength of the Big Ten and if it can compete with the likes of Baylor and Gonzaga. We will talk about some initiatives of Big Ten Network that Harold's involved in and uh, a handful of other things as well. So we'll toss it over now to Big Ten Network Manager of Research, Harold Shelton. All right, very pleased to be joined as always by Harold Shelton, ETN's in-house researcher, the manager of research at Big Ten Network. H, good to have you back. What's going on, dude? Uh, good to be back. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, I see you got a nice jacket there. I need to figure out where you got it because I need to get one too. Yeah, man. It's funny because uh, like our, our little digital department got this shipment a few weeks ago. We got some nice stuff. I want the the black Nike one that we see like the on-air people get. There's like different levels of uh, of connections, I feel like. So, you know, we got our little digital plug. Studios got their, I think, plug from HR since they're such front-facing individuals um and then you know we have some people who are still rocking the old logos so you got to hit up our our bosses and uh see if we can swag you out since you are on camera talent you're on this show on youtube exactly i mean i i got the the t-shirt that you know everyone was able to get it was so nice uh, to be able to get but yeah i want to you know just yeah, at least get that jacket. If I can't get the black one that the other on-air guys, that let me at least get the, the gray one you got. Yeah, it's a little little North Face action. Okay. If they're watching, All right. on, watching on... Uh, I know that's warm. The, the challenge is, like, for this these types of episodes, um, when I record on different days, so I had Jared Solinger a couple of days ago, and now you today, obviously, and, like, I try to keep the same outfit so it looks consistent, and so I'm, like, digging up the same thing that I wore two days ago. got to make sure I don't throw it in the laundry or anything like that. So before our problems right there. Exactly. For our for our hundreds and sometimes thousands of viewers on YouTube, we, we appreciate all them. Obviously, if you're not, you know, if you're just listening to this, give it a shot on YouTube. Sometimes you can see what we look like when we're, we're talking about uh, hoops or football or whatever it is. So that's my endorsement for our our viewing experience. Sell it. Got to sell it. All right. Uh, also, I do want to point out it was it was pretty cool, like throughout the month of January. I'm sure you had a similar experience, but like there was kind of an endless stream of shipments coming in, I think. HR felt bad that like there were no in-person events and, and to be honest, they were probably saving a little money on, you know, no happy hours, things like that, no events. So we had some like Fox swag come in then there was some big 10 network swag. It was my birthday. So I got like a, a birthday shipment. Uh, I got a new chair come in. So like, I just had stuff coming to my door and, and, you know, it made the work from home experience a little less lonely. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, my wife actually laughed at me about that cause she's, we're just collecting blankets now. Like, uh, you know, Fox sent a blanket, uh, Network sent a blanket. You know, I got the the blanket from Media Day a couple years ago. So we're just we're just stacking up blankets. Um, I, same, I had a birthday in December, so I was able to get a little charger for that. Um, you know, I got a little serving bowl for, for the popcorn that Fox sent and, uh, you know, they've been taking good care of us these last few months. The blanket thing is hilarious because my friends say the same thing. We have just a uh, gluttony of blankets laying around between the, the Fox and Big Ten ones. It was actually funny, though, that Fox box they sent us was like a giant shipment. I'm like, what is in here? You know, and they right. packed it. And then there was like four or five things that like they definitely did not need a huge box to, to send out. I wonder if they had some, you know, boxes laying around that they just had to get rid of. And so they just packed them with peanut packer and and sent the blanket and the bowl and all that stuff yeah somebody uh texted me and asked the same thing and i said you know what i'll take with all the stuff that's in it no matter how big the box is so even though it did seem you know a little big for the stuff that was in it i appreciate it all the same all right well this is like office insider talk you know the, the listeners are probably either jealous they don't have any swag <laughs> or bored by now so uh we'll get into the discussion a little bit harold i want to inject a little bit of a new uh wrinkle into these conversations. I don't know why we haven't done this because we usually have these interviews 
after the primary guest each week. And, um, you know, the guest is obviously Big Ten related almost every week. It's somebody that you know and probably watched um, or are familiar with. So I'm going to start leading these conversations off with just your thoughts on the guest of the episode and maybe memories you had about them. This week it's Jared Solinger, like I mentioned. So just give me your overall take on Jared, your memories of watching him play, uh, you know, what his legacy is. And, and we'll continue to do this now, you know, three or four years into this podcast. I don't know why we haven't been doing it, like I said, but, uh, you know, it's never too late. So thoughts on on Sully. Yeah, I was going to say better late than never. Um, Sully was a dude who came in. It was a, you know, an instant impact guy, um, winner, multiple Big Ten titles, you know, led Ohio State to a Final Four. And, you know, I feel like he had two really dominant years. And for whatever reason, maybe it's because the NBA career wasn't as long, but he kind of seems to be more and more underappreciated as time has gone on. Um, I know when we had our all-decade team exercise and, you know, I was lucky to be part of a panel that, that voted on it. And he was the first teamer for me. Um, but it looks like I was one of the few that actually put him in that spot. Um, I just thought he was a, a really, really impactful player. You know, if you needed a bucket lay, you can get it from him. You know, even though he wasn't the most athletic guy, he used his body well to, to carve out space, make sure he clean, cleaned up the glass. And, you know, I'd say between Ohio State and Michigan State, like when Draymond was there at that time, like they had some some really nice battles in 2012. And I think those three battles are what I remember the most, uh, especially that Big Ten championship game in 12. Yeah, and it's hard to get to the league and, and stick for a little while, even though I know he wants to get back and stick, you know, as a tweener, 6'8", 6'9", a little undersized, not as quick, but, um, you know, he was in the league for four, four or five years and had some good years. Uh, I was looking up his, his basketball reference line. He had a few years, 13 points a game for Boston, good teams over there, so... Um, you know, it's cool to talk to him. I love getting guys that were at that, you know, at the NBA level. We get plenty of people who played overseas, but it's cool to, to have like somebody on the show who played with KG, you know, we could ask him about Kevin Garnett's stories and, uh, and stuff like that. And, and you mentioned those Michigan state battles. Uh, I remember those great Ohio state teams, including that 2012 final four team. Uh, and the first thing he mentioned when I told him I went to Illinois kind of before our uh, before we actually start recording, is, is that Brandon Paul game, the 43 points, where that was just a great, uh, a lot of great players on the floor that night. And that Illinois team actually ended up being bad. They they collapsed. They had beaten Ohio State, got to, I think, like number 15 in the country. Um, that Ohio State team goes on to the Final Four, and the Illinois team with, with Myers Leonard and Brandon Paul and DJ Richardson, those guys completely fall off. But uh, it's funny that he, that, that was one of the, you know, things that stuck out in his mind because that was probably a painful loss. One of few in his career. I think he only lost 10 games or something like that. Yeah, and, and it's funny because I'd say his freshman year, that team was probably the best team in the country. Um, just came up a little bit short against Kentucky in the Sweet 16. Brandon Knight hit a jumper to beat them. But, I mean, they were the overall number one seed. They were rolling everybody. You know, I definitely thought that they were one of the best teams of the last 10, 15 years in the Big Ten. It's just that, you know, when you don't get – to that final weekend, you kind of get forgotten about. And even though he did get there in 2012, the team wasn't as good, and so maybe people view it a little differently. Right. So we'll talk a little more Ohio State current, present day, a very Ohio State-heavy episode because they have been surging. The Bucks are hot, as they say. Um, we, we stole that from – it was an Ohio State pitcher. His last name's Magno. I'm forgetting his first name, but he had a viral clip a couple of years ago in the baseball tournament where he's like, Bucks are hot. You don't like it when the Bucks are hot. So we will talk – surging Buckeyes in a second but first I do want to get your uh get your input on you mentioned the all-decade project you were a part of we are currently taking part in another Big Ten Network initiative for February Black History Month and you uh you had a leading hand in initiating this particular project um it kind of you know we always do something for Black History Month that Big Ten Network is a way to highlight and honor uh, impactful people and individuals, but you uh, started and had a you know big role in leading a diversity effort at Big Ten Network, especially over the summer with what what happened and the events in this country. And now it's playing out as we honor uh, individuals in a new initiative. So if you could just explain a little bit what I'm talking about and uh, let the audience know what they should be looking out for in February on Big Ten Network's 
not only the channel during games, but also on our social platforms. Yeah, so um, kind of going back to the summer, what you were talking about, uh, we developed a big impact series uh, where we talked to, uh, we had like three different, three or four different conversations where we talked to current athletes and administrators and kind of how they were dealing with things on campus, ways that they can create uh, more diverse environments, how to support athlete initiatives, things of that sort. And so uh, we continued uh, with the big impact umbrella and we decided to come up with uh, pioneers of the Big Ten. And so we took one male and one female from all 14 Big Ten schools. Uh, so it'd be 28 uh, people in 28 days to, to match the month of February. Uh, we'll also have uh, Commissioner Warren as well. So we actually had 29. Um, and so from there, my job was to just, you know, I had an idea, you know, back in the fall, I uh, wanted to see if it could get pulled off. I wasn't really sure how to do it, but I figured it'd be a really cool way to kind of, you know, talk about some people that we knew and talk about some people that we didn't know and, you know, kind of show, you know, what they did on the field or on the court, but more importantly, how they impacted other people's lives once their careers were over. Um, and so, you know, what started out as an idea turned into 28 vignettes between 30 seconds and a minute that are going to run on digital and on TV and games. And we'll have some uh, some interviews with a lot of the guests as well that'll be out on YouTube. And, you know, the project started on February 1st. We've got four of them that have already ro been rolled out. Um, and, you know, I definitely can't take full credit by any means. You know, I just had an idea and, you know, I kind of came up with some of the names, but there's been a huge help in, in studio uh, with the editors, you know, putting everything together. And so, you know, I'm really proud of, of the teamwork that's going on with everybody kind of collaborating. And um, the fact that we were able to get, you know, 13 different sports represented uh, for 28 people is pretty cool too. Yeah. So one pioneer highlighted per day in the month of February, um, those vignettes are going out every day. We'll have some interviews too with, with some of the individuals who are honored. So yeah, big shout out to you, but also um, Denny Blunt, Jacob Ruffman, guys behind the scenes on the, on the TV side who have been working really hard. I know to get these out uh, in a short time frame. So shout out Ross out to Ross Patton. Yeah. Ross Patton for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Mark Carmen, people like that. Um, so definitely, you know, keep your eyes on the big 10 network, social media channels, learn something. Because, you know, I didn't, you know, I know the Jesse Owens, of course, C. Vivian Stringers of the, of the, of the uh, Big Ten universe, but I didn't know who Anson Carter was, who was uh, a black hockey player for Michigan State who played in the NHL. So cool stuff like that that you can learn and, and uh, people whose names deserve to be heard. So thanks for, uh, thanks for taking some time there, H, to explain that. We'll get into the uh, basketball scene now as we shift gears and talk about what is remaining as one of the, strongest Big Ten basketball seasons we've seen. And we can just take it from the top, I think, as far as the storylines go. And we had a great top 15 or so matchup. I think it was maybe top 20 at the time. But great matchup this past Friday night in Illinois-Iowa. I think that was one, that was probably the Big Ten game of the year. Um, if you look at Ken Palm's game scores, I think it was the top game played so far in college basketball this year. Um, we've had some, some other noteworthy teams like Ohio State we mentioned I think they've won five of six at this point. We got a huge game tonight. Iowa and Ohio State are, are playing, so our conversation is a little dated, and we don't know what happens yet in that one, but it, it will have Big Ten race implications. And uh, just want to get your thoughts, first of all, and we'll start there since this is a very Ohio State episode, H, on, on if you think this Ohio State run is reflective of what they're capable of in March. Bucks are hot, right? I mean, uh, the fact that that EJ Liddell has kind of turned into a go-to guy for them. Uh, you know, you saw the promise there a year ago. Uh, you, you thought he'd be a pretty good player, but he's definitely seemed to kind of put it all together and is you know, kind of taking more of an alpha role on. And I think that's helped everybody else, you know, because now they don't have to rely on Dwayne Washington to score a lot of points. Uh, getting C.J. Walker back healthy has been huge to kind of stabilize everything. Uh, Justin Irons has been a sniper from three, you know, they haven't really needed Seth Towns to, you know, to come in and ball, but, you know, he's made plays and, you know, they got Justice Sewing who's, who's come in and made plays. So they've had, they've used the transfer portal well. 
Um, you know, having between Walker, Sewing, and Towns, all three of those guys have been able to contribute for the last couple of years. And and Liddell, you know, he's been averaging about 20 points over the last five games. He's really, really stepped up. And, you know, I told you about my man crush on Chris Holtman. We talk about it every time. He continues to show why they're so good. And um, I don't know how many people would have thought that Ohio State would have the best offensive efficiency that they've had since Sullinger's 2010-2011 team. So um, they're playing really, really well right now. Yeah, I was talking to Jared about that, just how those pieces fit so well together under Chris Holtman. We've talked about it, like you said. He can just plug and play. He, he gets transfers that fit. DJ Carton leaves. Caleb Wesson uh, graduates. And they take a step forward. It's crazy. Like, nothing against those guys, obviously, but... Uh, you know, Chris Holtman just reloads. So, uh, big credit to Ohio State. Really excited for that that game tonight. Um, those styles will be interesting to see, especially since you said Ohio State's a sneaky offensive uh, powerhouse. So, that'll be that'll be fun to watch. Um, and you know, Ohio State, Iowa are two of those teams in the top of the Big Ten. Can't forget about Michigan, even though they are on that that COVID pause right now. And I'm just looking at you know Ken Palm right now, and you can look at the net or top 25 AP, however you want to slice it up, but uh, the Big Ten, it, it's a weird it's a weird place to be because they have so many teams near the top, right? You have four in the top ten of Ken Palm with Ohio State, Iowa, Illinois, Michigan, and then Wisconsin's at number 11. So really, I should say five of the top 11 teams. Purdue just entered the top 25 before taking a, a tough loss. Again, they really should have won against Maryland. Um, Rutgers is kind of coming back to, uh, you know, to resemble some form of how they started this season. And, you know, we have Minnesota entering the top 25, and, and we'll see if they can maintain that level of play throughout the year. Maryland is like the the spoiler for all the Big Ten teams this year. They have four top 25 wins, three of them on the road. It's been crazy to see what they've been able to do. Penn State isn't going anywhere. So there's so much good basketball being played in the Big Ten. It's just weird, though, to, one, have Michigan be on this pause and not forget about them, but, like, look up and, and remember that they're still two games ahead in the Big Ten race and then have Baylor and Gonzaga kind of on their own plane almost. And in a year where college basketball blue buds kind of stink, right? Like Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina is not as good as usual. All these teams that normally stand between the Big Ten and the national championship. This You'd think this is the year for the Big Ten to break through and then you know, you have these almost not untouchable teams because we saw Iowa push them a little bit. We don't know how Michigan would fare against them. We saw Illinois challenge Baylor before Baylor kind of turned it up. Uh, how are you balancing kind of the juxtaposition of the Big Ten is amazing, but there's still two titans that you'll really have to, you know, kind of conquer in March? I think the biggest thing is that you have to find a way to get as high a seed as possible so you avoid a Gonzaga or Baylor before the final weekend of the season. Um, I think it's imperative if Michigan can bounce back from being off, you know, two, three weeks uh, that they can, you know, hit the ground running so they could stay as a one seed and not have to deal with those teams until the final four. I think it's important, you know, for an Ohio State or an Illinois or an Iowa, if they can get a two to be away from Gonzaga and Baylor. And so to try to be, you know, the best two seed possible so you can try to avoid those two teams. Um, but like you said, those two look like they're on another plane right now. You always wonder about the Zags uh, just because, you know, they play a tough schedule early and then for two or three months, you know, they kind of just beat up on their own league and you wonder, um, you know, how battle tested they'll be when the chips are down. Uh, Baylor, I don't think will have that issue just because the Big 12 has been really good and the way they play, they're, they're so good on defense. Uh, you know, they and Michigan are the only teams in the in the top 10 in offensive and defensive efficiency in the country. So, you know, the fact that those two, you know, that the fact that Baylor, I think Baylor is actually third in both. So that just goes to show you how good they are. Uh, but I, I'm, a, I'm a little nervous about Michigan just because when you, you can't practice for you know, two, three weeks and you're, you're playing so well, you get all of this momentum and they're going to try to make up these games as many as possible. So now you're going to run into a situation like I always had to run into where you got three games in six days. You know, Michigan State's had to do similar things. 
Penn State's had to do similar things. And so can Michigan hit the ground running once we get back and then go through a brutal gauntlet in a brutal league with not a lot of rest? That's going to be really interesting. Yeah, it's just unfortunate this happened to Michigan, you know, right in the middle of, of what was shaping up to be a special season. Obviously, they can still salvage it. Um, but it's also unfortunate, right, with, with Big Ten title race implications. Like, it, you can't really speculate because we don't really know which games will be made up, if they can get all the games in. Um, and, you know, if, if they're not, like, how the Big Ten champion is determined. Like, in football, Ohio State was pretty clearly on another level, and, and, and you know, they adjusted accordingly. Basketball, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, if – if Michigan State, if Michigan gets uh, under twenty games in, and and your Iowa's, Illinois, or Ohio State's plays twenty, but has four or five losses, I don't, I, I don't think anyone knows at this point what's gonna what's gonna happen. So it'll just be interesting to see. It's too bad, obviously, um, and I feel bad for the the athletes of Michigan who are basically sitting around right now and and are uh, watching everyone else play. Yeah, and and the thing is the with the Ohio State angle in football it's we saw them play indiana indiana was clearly their biggest challenger they beat them so there's no issue there of putting them in even though they have fewer games with michigan right now you know the best team they've played is wisconsin you know they haven't played iowa yet they haven't played illinois yet you know they haven't played ohio state yet and so we just don't know how those matchups would turn out so say michigan only can play you know, 17 games and everyone else gets 20, but they miss Ohio State and Illinois. Is that a fair champion? You know, if the race winds up being close, you know, we'll see. Um, just right now, I'm Michigan, you know, not taking anything away from Michigan. Like they have been clearly the best team in the Big Ten. You know, they had a one slip up in Minnesota, but other than that, they've been rolling people. And so, you know, they've got three guys that are top 10 nationally in their positions. You know, they're, you know, Wagner's up for defensive player of the year as well. And so, like, they're doing everything they need to do on the court. I'll just be curious to see if they don't get some of those games in with teams that are challengers to them, how will that be viewed nationally? Yeah, and, you know, I've watched a ton of Big Ten basketball, obviously, this year. Some outside of the – the uh Big Ten as much as I can. Wednesday night, this past you know evening was was brutal for a lot of top teams. Villanova went down pretty easily. Houston got beat by East Carolina. Creighton teams like that um, you know, are losing. And uh, I watched uh, Oklahoma Texas Tech the other night. You know, I don't know if it's just biased or if I caught teams on a bad night, but I do think the Big Ten, these Big Ten teams near the top, are better <laughs> than a lot of. You know these these top so-called top ten teams from other conferences. I know that just sounds like company man speak, but like I don't know. I was not impressed by Oklahoma. I know th- I think they had some injury problems, um, and Villanova has been great. And I know they had uh, some COVID issues as well, but they looked really brutal last night. I know all teams have off nights, so uh, Houston hasn't. Even though I think their metrics say otherwise, I, I don't know. I I just don't know outside of Baylor and Gonzaga, who are out, obviously tremendous. Um, I think the Big Ten can go up against anyone at the top of these other leagues. Um, and one other thought on on other teams, you kind of touched on it briefly, but like, how would you feel being a Gonzaga fan? Like, is it is it worth it? And I know, you know, if if a Gonzaga fan, I don't think any of them will get a hold of this or hear this. You know, they would probably take offense to this. But do you really want to go two months every single year? not yet basically playing exhibition games. I know you'll get challenged once in a while by your, your St. Mary's, your Santa Clara's, whoever. Uh, but, and, and this year's different because they are outstanding and I, I, any fan would take a year like this, but would it not get tiresome to, to do this schedule every year and be the clear best team in the conference every single season? No, I mean, no credit to them. You know, they figured out a niche where, you know, they've been able to to dominate a league and it's gotten to a point where they've done enough nationally, non-conference, November, December, and in March to elevate themselves to be a big boy. And, you know, that's really, really rare to see because I remember I was, you know, I've, I still am a University of Detroit fan. And I remember when Butler was in the Midwestern Collegiate Conference with them. 
And, you know, Butler was just kind of, you know, they're a good team. They make the tournament every once in a while. And then they just continue to, to win and win and win and move to the Big East. And a lot of times when these teams do that, like Dayton will go to the A-10, you know, teams just, could, you know, gradually move up. And the fact that Gonzaga has been able to do what they've done and stay in that league, I mean, I, I have no problem with it. Load up as much as possible early. You, you've got your recruiting that way. You're going to be on national TV. Mark Few's got it rolling. Credit to him. He stayed when he could have left. You know, Dan Monson left. <laughs> and it didn't work out for him. And Mark Few saw that and was like, you know what? I can build a power right here. I don't have to leave. I can win a national championship from here. So if I'm Gonzaga, the key is I'm trying to win a national championship. So what's the best way I can do that? Let me just stay and dominate this league, still test myself in November, December, because now, you know, we're a name. So we can get to Maui and Atlantis and, you know, all these other big tournaments. And we can get a top two, three seed every year and, you know, see where what happens in March. I think it's a great plan for them. Yeah, those are good points. And I think I'm a prisoner of the moment a little bit because I'll tune in to watch Gonzaga once in a while. And they're like, in a, they're playing Pepperdine in like a high school gym. And I'm just like, this is just, this is just no fun. Like, I, it really isn't. However, you're very right. And I want to be clear that, first of all, Gonzaga played an awesome schedule this offseason than they normally do. Or that not off season, this non conference season, and uh, that's that's you know normal for them. They they take on any and all challengers in the non conference, and you know Gonzaga is is being a Gonzaga fan. It's a charmed existence, right? Like it's at this point, I, like I know a Gonzaga fan who's my age, and all he's known is great basketball. I would take that any day. Like as a, as a college basketball fan, ninety nine percent of college basketball fans would would trade. I think the success that that they have had for Gonzaga's success in the Mark Few era. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to disparage that. It's just in January and February, that's just a slog to get to March, I feel like. And and um, it would test me, I think, as a fan during that wait. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And I think it's kind of like uh, in NBA or MLB when the whole goal is just to get to the playoffs, right? Like we know we're good enough for the regular season. None of these games really matter. Like at the end of the day, just get me to March. And that's kind of what Gonzaga is. It's like, all right, let's do enough early to make sure we get a good seed. If we drop one conference game, so be it, whatever. I know St. Mary's is our rival, so let's beat them. Or maybe, you know, on occasion, BYU might challenge. So, okay, let's try to get them. But other than that, you know, they're going to take everybody's best shot. I'm sure they'll sleepwalk through some games, but they're so talented now that, you know, they can just pretty much overcome anything. They're getting, you know, elite recruits. They're getting elite transfers. And, I mean, they've just got it rolling up there. And so if I have to put up with a two-month slog to get to where I need to be in March, then I'll live with that. Yeah, they're terrifying. So uh, that'll conclude the the Zags portion of this podcast. Uh before we go, H, I do want to get your thoughts on one, maybe two Big Ten teams who are super intriguing and and just kind of strange at this point in the season, uh, Maryland and Penn State. Um, Penn State beat Wisconsin, then turned around, got smoked by Wisconsin. So um, they were playing better basketball until uh, Tuesday night. Maryland had, you, you know, although they stacked seven or eight, I think seven losses at this point, They've beaten four top 25 teams, three on the road, two top 10 teams, I believe. What do we do with that type of tournament resume? Like, I think Maryland's going to make the tournament at this point, right, as long as they don't lose too many more games, especially in a weird year. Is Maryland going to make the tournament? Does Penn State have a shot? And just what are your overall thoughts on um, on these two squads that, that were kind of written off before the season started? Yeah, it's funny that, uh, Maryland, like you said, they lead the nation uh, with, with four wins against ranked teams, and all four have come <laughs> as an unranked team, which is funny. And Penn State, uh, they're one of, I believe it's six teams uh, with multiple wins against AP Top 15 as an unranked team. Another one of those teams they're tied with is Maryland. So the fact they're, they're playing each other uh, this weekend, actually, so that should, that should be a fun game. 
I do think Maryland does have a chance to get to the tournament. Um, I believe I saw on ESPN, Joe Lenardi had them as the last team in after they beat Purdue. So they're kind of hovering right now. And I just think the fact that, you know, the resumes are going to look different because there weren't as many non-conference games to take advantage of. And so the fact that you're in that league where you got a chance to play, you know, a top 30, you know, quad one, quad two net team, you know, pretty much every night, you got a chance to enhance that resume. And the win-loss records are going to look a little different because you're not going to have all those games that, you know, those buy games that you play against quad three and quad four teams to elevate your record. You know, those are pretty much gone. And so you're going to, you know, operate from a a 26, 27-ish game slate. So if you're, you know, 15 and 12, but you've got six quad one wins, that's probably going to be a lot better than, you know, some team from another conference whose record is similar, but they didn't have nearly as many chances. So I think Maryland's got a really good shot of making it. Um, and I think it just kind of goes to show, you know, as we've talked about this, this league in general, I mean, we've had 10 different teams ranked in the top 25 at AP poll. Uh, nine of them have been in the top 20 at some point. Um, and Maryland isn't one of those, <laughs> but they continue to, you know, undercut some people along the way. So uh, they're certainly talented enough and the Big Ten provides them a lot of opportunities to get some more wins to get into that tournament. Yeah, and I do want to give a shout out to Penn State um, just because, you know, no one would forgive that or no one would blame them for just having a total teardown rebuild type year with an interim coach. They lost their head coach unexpectedly right before the season they lost their best player in Lamar Stevens they lost Mike Watkins um and even if they don't make the tournament like I would still bet against that right now uh just considering the the climb they still have ahead of them like it's been an impressive year how they've stuck together and played hard dealt with the COVID pause and kept that program on its feet like they didn't have to do that and nobody would have blinked but they've kept things together so you know shout out to Jim Ferry and and Rockington and Wheeler and those guys who have uh and, and Miles Dredd and guys that have you know they've held it together there at Penn State. And just think about where Penn State would be if they would have just held on to some of the games that where they had a really good chance of winning. I mean, they were up big against Seton Hall, let it go. Uh they had they pushed Michigan. I know they were leading in the second half in Ann Arbor before letting it go back in December. Uh, you know, they lose in overtime in Indiana. You know, they had Ohio State on the ropes on the road. Uh, a little over a week ago. So imagine if they win two of those, they're eight and six instead of six and eight. Resume looks a lot better. They're already 37th in Kempom as it is. So imagine if they had two big wins instead of losing all four of those games. I mean, they'd be right there. And, you know, you know, to your point about Penn State, they always play hard. That one thing you can always count on with them even if they aren't as talented, even if they aren't as physical, even if they aren't as deep, they're going to always play hard and they're going to give teams fits because of that. And, you know, we saw it with Wisconsin. We saw it with Virginia Tech, you know, two double digit wins uh, against teams that were both in the top 15 at the time. So, you know, major shout out to them. Uh, Let's see if they could, you know, get Maryland. They get Michigan State coming up. They get Nebraska coming up. You know, if you win those three games, if you go to nine and eight, see what happens from there. Sounds good. All right, we'll close it out there. Um, actually, I'll get your Super Bowl pick real quick. We don't have to analyze it or anything, but you got Chiefs or Bucks? Chiefs. Yeah, I think Chiefs too. Um, I don't know. They're just I too- just can't bet against Mahomes. I know everybody <laughs> says you can't bet against Brady, but I can't bet. I can't bet against Mahomes. I think it'll be a good game. I think. I think Brady. My, I think Chiefs will go up. Two scores, Brady will make it interesting. Chiefs will be too much. Yeah, I can see that. All right. H, thanks a lot. We will get back uh, at it soon. I am uh, you know, in my happy place right now. I love Big Ten basketball. I love when it's, when it's cooking. So hopefully no more interruptions, no more pauses. Everyone stays healthy. And uh, we can talk about it again soon. Yeah, sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on and look forward to the next time. All right, thanks once again to Harold, Jared, for joining the show. Hope everyone enjoyed listening. Always appreciate everyone tuning in. If you've not listened to the show before, 
touched on a little bit in the Herald segment there, but we are available to be viewed on YouTube, Big Ten Network's YouTube channel. Just search Take 10 Podcast. And you can subscribe to the Big Ten Network YouTube channel. And we are on our own playlist on that channel. So uh, ever since the pandemic started, we've been able to take advantage of Zoom, get these guests on Zoom, and get these YouTube uh, videos going. It's been a, a lot of fun seeing the guests, interacting with them on a regular basis. So there is that avenue. We can also be heard on uh, all the normal major podcast platforms, your, your Spotify's. Apple Podcasts, obviously, Google Podcasts, uh, Podbeam. So check us out on all those platforms. Please subscribe, rate, leave a review. We have mostly nice reviews on Apple Podcasts. You know, a couple people chirping, but it wouldn't be a uh, wouldn't be a legitimate podcast. We didn't have some haters. So uh, a lot of good feedback, and we encourage you to leave some if you like the show. All right, that'll do it for this week of uh, the Take 10 Podcast. Thanks, as always, to Julie Bronder for producing the show, stitching it together. Thanks again to Northwestern SPS for sponsoring it. And thanks to everyone for listening. We will talk to you soon here on Take 10 Podcast.